Hi, this is Gabe Moser, and you're listening to Friars on the Farm podcast. Welcome to Friars on the Farm podcast. I'm Donovan, and right in front of me is Roy. Oh, man. You know, I miss baseball. Dude, I miss baseball. I realize the All-Star break is only a few days, but I feel like it's been so long since I've been able to flip on the TV and watch the Padres game. Yeah, but there was tons of other baseball going there on. Was, there's been tons of other baseball going on. There's, which we're going to get into. Which we're going to get into. That's kind of why we get together <laughs> to sit down and talk, right? We, sorry, we got we talked. Hi, so everybody. Much. There's yes. nothing going on. We'll see you again next week. All right. Welcome. Thank you. You can find me on uh, Twitter. <laughs> so we opened up the, the All-Star break. Before the All-Star break happened, yeah. the Padres went up to L.A. on the 4th of July. Yeah. And Angela and I went up there to go to the Dodgers game. And it turned out that we were on TV while they were doing God Bless America. I guess the cameraman found a couple of sad folks in the stands wearing Padres gear. In the sun. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was warm. But it wasn't bad. Um, so, yeah, we went to that game, which they happened to lose. But the good news is Denelson Lamette made his return. And he was really good. He did look good. Um, and it was just the Padres got runners on. They couldn't get him in. But then they went off and rattled off three straight wins. In the meantime, Angela and I went back up to Lake Elsinore on Saturday, and we went to the game Saturday. Uh, and so a while ago, Angela, I have a story for you all. Okay. Um, a while ago, so on social media, you know, people get nasty, and somebody was saying uh, the topic of suicide and depression came up. And Angela spoke up for somebody, and I don't remember what the exact incident was, but she said something and said something really nice, and Troy Collins, West Coast Scouting. Yeah. Um, was impressed by what she said yeah. or touched I the, or whatever. I the tweet, yeah. And so he messaged Angela and said, you're going to have something coming to you in the mail. He already had our address because we've won one of his giveaways before. Yeah. So he sends us this box and inside the box was a broken Jason Rosario bat. Like it had a crack through it, but you know, it's a nice bat with his name engraved in it and a uh, autographed Pedro Avila ball. So we're going up to Lake Elsinore on Saturday and we decided to bring the bat with us because usually they do signings on Saturdays. It didn't turn out that that was part of the show on Saturday. But so then we decided to hang around afterwards where the players come out and see if we happen to run into him and get his autograph. So we go and park over there and he's already standing outside. And so it turns out that he was standing with Hansel Rodriguez, who's much taller than I recalled. Okay. Uh, He came over from the Blue Jays in the Melvin Upton Jr. trade. Very nice. Um, And they were hanging out with their host parents. So I'm not sure how many people live with this couple, but they, you know, they're a, a Latino couple, an older retired couple, and they so they host a bunch of the Latin players that don't speak a whole lot of English. Right. And so we had the bat, and he was impressed that we had his bat, so he signed our bat, and Angela wanted to talk to him, and the host mother she was interpreting, and so Angela because her Spanish is not very good and his English is not very good. No, it's not. Yeah, and so she translated, and Angela was saying all this very kind, thoughtful stuff about we believe in you, and you're, you know... She's very sweet when she talks about players, absolutely. so Angela got emotional, and then Jason was getting emotional, and so Jason says, hold on, and he ran off and went into the clubhouse and came out with a brand new bat. Wow! Oh, my God. Yeah, a, a brand new, beautiful bat, and he signed that for us, and it just, it made our night, and I wound up staying in touch with the couple, and Jim, the husband told me that that it made Jason's night as well, that she made an impression on him. So it was just a really cool evening. That's a really cool evening. Yeah. And then you guys caught Osvaldo Hernandez. Yeah, Osvaldo Hernandez made that start. Um, and I think he pitched like four innings or so. He did pretty well. He did three? Yeah, it wasn't a long outing for him. Um, his pitch count was getting up there. I wasn't keeping – I was. I kept score for once, um, but I – don't have my scorebook in front of me and I don't have his box score in front of me, but for his, I think that was his first start with three the innings, storm. Three runs and three innings. So he just came back up from, um, extended, extended spring training. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say Arizona summer league, but it wasn't even that he's been in extended spring training this whole time, rehabbing an injury that I'm not, I don't even know if they announced what he was working with. We're going way, 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 way ahead of ourselves, but yeah. I have it down here and I guess we'll talk about it now. Uh, he was in extended spring. Well, he was in spring training, getting ready to come back. Because he was injured through, uh, throughout the season, uh, during the off season, and was on the cusp of coming back, and it reaggravated the injury or something else happened, and 
Noah Osvaldo Hernandez because mm-hmm. we were so excited to have him, Patino, and Mac all pitch. And Aaron little, Lesher. And, and Lesher, who's just been a beast. Yeah, all these lefties. Un, un, unheralded Aaron Lesher. Well, plus Patino, he's a righty, but yeah. Um, and all of a sudden, he's not, he didn't show up. I think Mason Thompson might have took a spot, but uh, yeah. And it took a while. Now we're into the all-star break, and damn. But he's back. He's back. Yeah. So happy for him. The the storm got shut out in that particular game. I believe it was a 3 nothing game when it was all said and done. But we still had a good time. We hung out with the uh, Booster Club folks. Nice. Met up with them before the game and wound up sitting in their section. Um, Megan came with us, you know, at Meg's. She's the one that makes the signs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we had a good we had a good evening. Fantastic. Real quick before we start off here, let's talk about the Booster Club. So uh, Mackenzie Gore has obviously, and we're going to go deeper into this right now. Uh-huh. Per my agreement with the agent for uh, Mac and Luis, uh, once they move up a level, I'm done selling this. We're done selling the shirts. So I have now discontinued the Mackenzie Gore shirts. We're still selling the Luis Patino shirts. Um, but together, we we have we have raised four hundred and eight dollars and sixty cents. Wow! Uh, through the sales of both those shirts, and that money is here. It is going up to Lake Gilson as soon as we decide when we can get together. We don't want to make it a big hoopla thing. I, we really just want to get the money to those guys. So I mean, it's doing no good in our pocket. So I want to add some context to that value because a while ago you were talking to Terrence, the clubhouse manager, yeah. and he had a budget when they're on the road for each road trip. He can only spend so many dollars for the spread in the clubhouse. And wasn't that like 250 bucks? 250 bucks. And, and so what and that's, were... that's not just like a three game series. That's a whole road trip. And that yeah. might be eight, 10 games. Yeah. So how are you going to feed all those guys on 20 bucks a day? It's insane. So well, what? And, so what we've raised, really, what you, I mean, you've done the the footwork yeah. for it, but that's more than what they spend on a road trip to feed the guys. It goes a long way. It does. It goes a long way, and uh, so we're grateful for you guys for purchasing all the cool shirts. I'm actually wearing my Luis Patino uh, Fuego de Colombia shirt right now. Yeah, ours just came the other day. I haven't had a chance to wear it yet. It's pretty sweet. But let's get going. Let's All get right. in it. Batting lead off, you know, Mackenzie Gore has been promoted to double A. Congratulations. And just before I got here, uh, you know, Sam Levitt, the broadcaster for the Sod Poodles, had posted some video. Oh, he's starting today, right? No, he's starting Saturday, but he's doing a bullpen today. Oh, okay, okay. So he, he uh, you know, had some video of Mac and, and Sod Poodles gear doing those. <laughs> Sweet. I'm it sure he looks. They've sweet. got that. They've got that one uniform that's pinstripe. Yeah, it's like navy blue pinstripes. Yeah, I bet he looks so good in that. Yeah. Uh, so he'll be starting this Saturday, and then Xavier Edwards came up from the Tin Caps up here. Yeah, that was kind of a like surprise. Gusnor and played last night, which we'll talk about here in a minute. Uh, and then also, and that's why kind of Eggy Rosario has gone to the left field, gone to the outfield. Not Eggy Rosario. I'm sorry, Esteri Ruiz. Ruiz. What I, I Jesus. So, yeah, Crap. that's been kind of a – people have talked about that, that Estuary Ruiz, he makes a lot of errors at second base. He's kind of – his throw, his arm is kind of wild, even though he's a crazy athlete. And that's always been the thought, is that he's eventually going to move to left field, kind of like Alfonso Soriano did. Because yeah. it's always been the Alfonso Soriano comp. Right. So it seems like that's finally happening. Who knows? Maybe he'll rotate back and forth. Well, and what happened last night in the game was uh, later on at the end of the game, like the seventh inning, Estuary went to second base, Edwards went to short – Oh, okay. So maybe a late inning de- defensive replacement at short, or to get him back into the infield and keep him in the lineup. But he uh, he played short the last of the game. Well, because you've got Gabriel Arias, yeah, in like El at shortstop, yeah. and yeah. he's one of the best shortstops in the whole organization. Oh, yeah. So you're not going to move him off that spot for Edwards. No, but uh, then Javi Garrett came back from the IL. Yeah, I was happy to see that. And he took Gore's spot on the roster. He pitched a clean inning. And, uh, yes, very nice. Other news: Emmanuel Ramirez promoted to AAA. Uh, first baseman Connor Panis, who came over from the Toronto Blue Jays in the in the Clayton Richards trade, was released, and Luke Becker was called up from Tri Cities to take Edwards' place. So, a little bit of the affiliate shuffle. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of that going on the next couple weeks. Yeah, you know, now that we just got past all the All Star games, uh, I mean, you know, these moves right here, you're going to see a whole bunch of that. You know, guys get released this time of year, guys move up. Yeah, you've got all the kids that got drafted that are in the summer league, and they're going to. In the Tri Cities, yeah. CJ Abrams is just killing it in in extended or in rookie ball right now. Yeah, they can't keep him there for long. They're going to have to send him out to Tri Cities or maybe even to uh, Fort Wayne yeah. soon. Maybe he'll be out there next week when I'm there. Hey, <laughs> if you're listening, hook Roy up. Um, 
So you know, I didn't put that on our notes, but to the listeners out there, I am Angela and I are heading out to, to Fort Wayne next week. We're going to see the games on Wednesday and Thursday. Um, and then we're going to head to Chicago for the Padres games Friday and Saturday. It's kind of a dream trip for us. Very nice. Yeah. Look at you guys hitting all the affiliates. Yeah. Am- Amarillo is going to be the tough one to fit in because you can't really double down on Amarillo or on Tri-Cities, Washington, really. I mean, I guess you go to a Mariners game and then drive eight hours to get out to... <laughs> right. You're not Tex Padre. God. Yeah, that guy puts on some miles. <laughs> puts some miles. Good thing gas is way cheaper in Texas than it is here. It is, absolutely. So moving on, the Padres opened up their another international signing window by adding a number of prospects, including Dominican outfielder Ishmael Minya. We signed him for $2.2 million and a Panamanian shortstop, Reginald Presadio. Preciado? Preciado. Preciado. That's how I roll my R's, leisure. <laughs> uh, for $1.3 million, they've officially signed 12 teenagers from Venezuela, Panama, Mexico, and the Dominican Republic. And they've had long... So this is kind of... We talked about this a couple episodes ago, mm-hmm. where we're not supposed to have any of these agreements. Like, none of the teams are supposed to have talked to these kids prior. Maybe some communication with scout-type stuff, but... No, but they all do. Agreement in place with shortstop, you know, with Reggie... And then Ishmael, and then right-handed pitcher uh, Brian Medina. Brian Medina, yeah. Brian Medina, also considered to be among the upper tier of prospects available in this signing period. They're expected to remain active in the coming weeks as they have about a quarter of their $6.48 million bonus pool left. Did you see on Baseball America, up until the international signing period, these guys, the different publications will go and they'll rank the players. Yeah. Baseball America this year, they said, we're not going to do that. And there's a reason behind that because a lot of these guys, they get a look at them until they're like 13, 14, maybe 15 years old. And then once they have an agreement with the team, they're not playing in showcases. They're not playing in games. All they're doing is training. And I've always wondered why the only video that you see on a lot of these guys is just them taking batting practice right. or taking grounders at shortstop. And you don't see actual game action. Exactly. Even though you know there's games happening in these complexes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why, because once they get that agreement, it's like, well, we don't want we don't need you out there getting hurt. Getting hurt or giving up information for other players or what. So they, they even figure out the dollar amount way in advance. Right. Which is it's a weird system. Well, it is. And I wonder if, if also Baseball America didn't kind of bring that stuff up. Because uh, I know they're no longer posting how, about how much they're going to cost or how much they're going to sign these players for. Maybe that's a good reason why they didn't also was to like, oh, look, you know, this kid here, he's going to be a top traffic. Let's scoop him up no, and hold him for ransom. Exactly. Yeah. Especially with Venezuela. Yeah. Because it's such a dangerous environment there. And I've read stories about professional baseball players yeah. that have family members you know, they'll kidnap somebody's cousin and give me a hundred grand. And it's, I mean, that's scary, but that's the reality that they live in. Yeah. So a lot of these guys, especially the guys from Venezuela, you probably won't know what they signed for until years later. Yeah. And that's okay. It's fine. Yeah. And it's, it, how can you really evaluate somebody if you haven't had a good look at them for a couple of years? And it, it doesn't really make sense. How do you get a scouting report from watching a video of somebody taking yeah. batting practice? Yeah. Well, it's funny. We talked to Sam so long ago and he talked about some of the hairy, like he, like some of these back roads and in some of these places, see these kids, you go through check block, you know, checkpoints yeah. that are more military than they are the actual government or, or police. Yeah, because that's what's defending the actual baseball compound. They have yeah. security. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a different world. I and mean, it's, I think we take it for granted what we have here in the States and the, the freedoms that we have. Yeah, and you go to another country and you see how it is, and you really kind of it's insane. Yeah, it's, it's humbling. highly, it's very dangerous, and there's abject poverty all around. Yes, so you're yeah. going a very big target really quick, you know. And I'm pissed because someone pulled into my car the other day without me, you know, at work. Someone bumped into my car and cracked my fender. So the the David Ortiz thing, I saw a tweet and somebody like screen capped their their Twitter feed, and they said this really puts it into perspective because one line said that. Um, some baseball player signed with professional team for 7,500 bucks. And then the next tweet after that was that the two guys that were involved in the David Ortiz shooting were going to be paid like $7,000. So here you've got a ball player taking 7,500 bucks to sign to go play professional ball. And then in another country, you've got somebody taking a similar amount of money to go take an attempt on someone's life. Yeah. 
And for them, that's a life changing amount of money. It's, it, it's, it really is a different world. Yeah, it, it is. It's sad. But let's get back to our world. Yeah, let's keep it positive. We God, keep it talk about positive. Sorry dude. to bring it down. Jeez. Okay, so where were you when the Futures game went on? Uh, we watched it. I shushed my whole family. I'm like, this is what I like. I live for this moment. Oh, we were here. We had we had her parents over. We were cooking cooking dinner and stuff. Nice. That was that was Sunday, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we were taking a dip in the pool, grilling up some burgers and all of that stuff. So we were being a little too social to, but we did have the game on. Okay. And I know that we caught Patino. We we I realized it in the second inning. So we caught most of Gore's appearance. Okay. Um we saw a little bit of what Morejon did and then we saw Patino in the last inning. I didn't see him come in the inning prior. Cuz he got 5 outs. All of them by way of the K. Absolutely. And it went a lot like this. So Gore he so we knew the I can't remember who started the game. But we knew McKenzie was coming in the second inning. He entered in the second inning, issuing a leadoff walk to Joe Adele before picking him off. <laughs> so Gail uh, from Baseball uh, 1500. Prospects 1500. Prospects yeah. 1500 was there. And she's like, I'm nervous. I'm like, yeah, he just, he's, he's just putting him on to pick him off. She was, she was at the game? She was at the game, yeah. She spent the whole weekend at, uh, with, uh, at the All-Star game. Oh, wow. Good for her. Yeah, absolutely. Really cool for her. Um, and then he picked him off. Like, <laughs> bink. I love it. And then he got Jared Kalenic and even White to line out to shortstop and left field. And that was his day. So that's three guys that are in the MLB top 100. Yeah. And that was kind of a trend here. Obviously, they're going to get a lot of guys from that list. Yeah. But when you got somebody going up there and dusting off, he, he wasn't like that. You know, and one of the fears that we've always had with Mac, and he's kind of shown this throughout the season, is that first inning's always been kind of rough. Mm-hmm. And it was particularly, I mean, it was first, it was a four pitch walk. Um, and particularly you under that pressure, under the big lights, under the big, you know, it's it's a futures game. And he walked the guy, ah, God damn it, pick, <laughs> go sit down. All right, here we go. You know, and then he found himself, and it was really cool. Uh, then after that, Andrew Morahone, he retired the first two batters he faced in the sixth inning on a ground out and pop out. Then he got himself into a jam by giving up singles to Royce Lewis and Jorge Mateo. Then he uncorked a wild pitch, and then you're like, oh, boy, here we, you know, I, I'm like, oh, God, love, come on. Come on, kid. Um, that moved the runners up to second and third, but then he got Robert to uh, fly out to center to escape unscathed in what was a 2-0 game in favor of the NL squad. Okay, so real quick, Adrian Morhone hasn't thrown more than 41 pitches in, in an outing since he, since when he went on the IL on April 22nd. He's only come out for the third inning once. In a 10 abbreviated start since his return, he has a 3.44 ERA with 24 strikeouts against five walks and 18 in the third innings. He, you know, he's working on every fourth day schedule. So I still think they have him in the starter mindset, mm-hmm. but they're just, they, I, like I swear, I think this is happening with Baez too. They just want to get innings under his belt and get him through the season. Then in the offseason or maybe later on at the end, they can stretch him out a little bit farther, but just those two talented guys need to get some time, you know, need to get some trigger time under their belt. Well, they need to stay healthy where they can come out and answer the bell every so many days. Yeah. I, I get the impression that they're treating Morejon with kid gloves a little bit uh, because he has a lot to work on. Um, it, I mean, the the whole emotional side of things and and the focus. Um, you know, the people that I, I don't get a chance to watch his games, the, the AA broadcast. Yeah. But it's, I hear that there's a lot of mound visits. There's a lot of, and then you see him do something and he'll kind of get mad at himself. You've noted that it's become a little bit more of a playful kind of a thing. So maybe yeah. they've, they're doing some psychological kind of tricks with him to. If you read the article that uh, John Conniff wrote when, with his time in Amarillo, he talked to Philip Wellman. He talked to the pitching coach for, the Amarillo, uh, for Amarillo and then talked to Adrian. I almost put it on the on the agenda here. I saw that. Uh, that was just a day or two ago, right? And he mentioned, and Morahone mentions, like, uh, you know, had some growing up to do, basically. Okay. And he, he said he gets too excited. You know, he gets too pumped up, and it's high or real low, or high or real low. And mm-hmm. in sports, you just got to be even killed. And it's hard when you're a 19-year-old kid pitching in god dang double A. Well, you take a kid from Cuba, and you give him $11 million and you put him in a culture that's completely foreign to him. He doesn't speak the language, none of that. Yeah. And it sounds like for him, the language has been a particular barrier. He hasn't taken to it quite as quickly as somebody right. like Luis Patino. Right. Because I've heard stories like he would only go to McDonald's because that was where he knew what to order. And he was too shy or too uh, too proud 
to ask for help. So I know the Padres, they have programs, they have classes at every right. level to try to teach right. these guys English, but it takes time. I mean, look at Francisco Mejia. He's been in the league this whole time, but still when he goes out to the pitcher, you see Tatis or, or um, um, Machado go out to translate. Yeah, yeah. Um, he also mentions that in the, in, in, the, uh, in the transition as well. Like in America, you're a professional. You show up on time. You get your work in. In Cuba, it's like, all right, you show up when you want. It seems a lot looser, mm-hmm. and you mentioned that in, in America, where there's a big difference between the two cultures of baseball. Well, when you've got that kind of natural talent that you can just show up and dominate that level, and you're young, so your body recovers quick, so you don't, you know, you don't, you learn about training, you don't take things quite so seriously. You just you're able to show up, and I'm I'm hot stuff, right? And then you come over here, and it's a little bit different. Everyone's good. Yeah, everyone's good. Everybody. But then in comes Luis Patino. Oh, that was the highlight for me. Oh, I, I just, oh my God, I went nuts. Just, I was just nuts. Hey, I was, we weren't sure if he was going to get in because there was a, you know, it was getting towards the end. Well, it was scheduled for seven innings. Right. And he was the eighth pitcher on the list. Yes. And so I'm like, is he going to get in? And then I saw the tweet and Emily Walden's like, Look who's you sent a picture. Like who's warming up? Was she sitting over by the bullpen? I take uh, it. No, she just took a, a, a picture of him, like from the week of him at. at uh, oh, okay. At the All Star game, and we're like, yes. So he comes in with a score tied, runs at first and third, with one out in the bottom of the seventh. No pressure there. Mm-hmm. And and, and Patino is another kid who, very young, big spotlight. For him, I was the most nervous, simply because. Um, of the moment of it takes him, you know, he hasn't dominated as much as Mac has. No, he stumbled out of the um, gate in just about every appearance. Pretty much. Yeah. And just was electric. Was you don't ju- want to be the guy that comes in and blows the game for the team. No, no. Uh, he then struck out Ray's, uh, Ray's, the race catcher and fellow Colombian Ronaldo Hernandez on a slider and then twin shortstop Royce Lewis on a 98.8 mile an hour fastball to end the threat. The right-hander stayed on the pitch to the eighth uh, to pitch the eighth, and then set the AL down in order, finishing things off by striking out Angels outfielder Joe Adele on a 98.2 mile an hour heater. He was blowing straight gas. You could have heard me from Connecticut. We watched. I was just <laughs> just like, oh, I was so pumped. It was so great to see him in that moment, and really, it was a statement for all the Padres pitchers, all the, all the prospects. We're going to talk about it here at the AAA All Star Game next. Um, we had the number one farm system, and it is deep, but this is the cream of this crop. Yes. And it is showing up, and it is getting it done. Mm-hmm. You know, absolutely. So, congratulations on all three of those guys. And we knew, like, Mac, I ended up texting uh, or messaging Mac's mom, going, hey, he did great. And he's like, yeah, well, we don't, I'm going to talk to him about it, but I don't think he's coming back. He's not coming back to Lake Elsinore. Uh, but moving on, let's go on to Chula, uh, the Chihuahuas. The Chihuahuas. I almost said Chula Vista. <laughs> uh, so, sorry, guys. We got candy here. Roy bought a big, a little little bucket of candy. We got Smarties here. And, you can thank my wife for that. And Starbucks. So if I start puckering up, it's because I'm eating candy. So the Chihuahuas have hit. Well, go ahead. Do you want to say it? The Chihuahuas have hit more home runs than any other team in baseball, major or minor. Tonight, they showed why. Despite the best of the best in the AAA on the field, both home runs hit in the game came from El Paso. Ty France, who was named game MVP, hit a 470-foot, 467-foot monster shot in the third, and Luis Rios hit a two-run shot in the fifth. Austin Allen came in the game later and added an RBI single. And France also had an RBI double in the game, too. Yeah. He had a double the first time he came, but just laced a liner into the gap. And then that home run that he hit. So, be, so there's the fence in left center, and then beyond that, there's like a playground, and then there's this corrugated steel wall behind that, and it cleared all of that. And it landed like in Mexico. <laughs> Two states over in Mexico. Well, it was actually, that's actually slightly northward. Juarez is the opposite direction. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it went to the, it probably bounced to the double tree across the street. Dude, it was crushed. <laughs> on top of that, he, uh, it was a hard smash at third. He caught behind him uh, on oh, the, yeah. uh, down the foul pole line or down the, uh, the foul line. Snagged it and threw it across the field. Strong throw across yeah, the field. Yeah, absolutely. So he showed up hugely. And then Luis Urias hits that oppo bomb. And, and here's the thing about El Paso. He hit it hard, but it doesn't look like he hit it that 
hard. Well, the you ball carries I mean? there. And it just, it kept going and kept going and kept going. And they're using a baseball that resembles a high lie ball. It's so, <laughs> I mean. Like a rubber ball. It is. It's like a super ball. Yeah, all this stuff going around. Justin Verlander saying what he said and all the data that's being collected on the baseball. People collect comparing old balls and new balls. And So did you hear what happened? Yeah. I heard that he got called back into the, uh, into into the, the manager's <laughs> You get called in the principal's office. Was it Jim Leyland and Joe Torrey were sitting there at the All-Star game. Yeah. They said, hey, he wants to talk to you. They sent him in there and chewed him out a little bit. That must have been hard for Leland, dude. Leland's so rogue. Oh, he! I'm sure he loved it. Well, you, know. you need someone to talk to him. <laughs> Send him in there. I'll tear him down. And then after they talked to him again, he kind of lightened it up and kind of backtracked just a little bit. Well, you got to toe the company line a yeah. little a fair amount. Yeah. But he bring, it's a good point that Major League Baseball purchases Rawlings, and then shortly thereafter, there is a fundamental change in the way the ball behaves. And Manfred said we need more offense. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, Saris wrote an interesting article today on The Athletic on that topic, and he was was looking into if the way the ball is breaking has changed because there's a different uh, coefficient of drag on the ball, and the seams are lower and flatter. And so the guys have, the pitchers have noticed that the ball's harder, it's slicker, they can't grab the seams as well. So now you're seeing more guys use pine tar. So the theory that he introduced is that guys are actually using foreign substances a little bit more to get back the grip that they have lost. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And that's illegal. It is, but it's always been done. Yeah. I mean, everybody, even if you go, I've noticed, because we sit by the bullpen, there's a can of sunscreen sitting out there, and you see just about every one of them take their, their glove hand and they spray the sunscreen on the back of their forearm, and then they take the rosin bag and they dap it up a little bit, and it makes it sticky. And so the next level above that is pine tar. So you put a little bit of pine tar on your glove or yeah. on your hat or somewhere. somewhere. I, I, Interesting. Yeah. Look at you. That's that's freaking awesome. Somewhere, somehow that led down to Gaylord Perry, a video of Gaylord Perry back in the day. And I, I'm i a little too young to have watched him during, back in the day. But he had all these mannerisms. He would wipe his eyebrows and over his ear and all over his face between every pitch. His hands were yeah. just active. He's like all the par of pitchers. Yeah. But then he, that's where he would hide the stuff. He'd A little dab of Vaseline or something. He'd stick it like he'd put it in his hair. So then somewhere along the way, he's picking up a little something. <laughs> there, there's an art to it. You can't be like that Japanese pitcher in what Kikuchi when he made his debut for the Mariners. And there was this big old glob of, of pine tar underneath his hat. No, I didn't see that. <laughs> yeah. Or there was a there was a postseason game a while ago that somebody had on the back of their neck. I thought it was a Yankee. Yeah, a Yankee pitcher. And it, it was this big, dark brown spot on the back of their neck. It's like, come on, try to hide it a little bit. It's all shiny. It's like the rest of the skin is like kind of, you know, matted. Then there's like a big shiny spot in his neck. Yeah, I remember that. Um, but God, what, what a great showing of all the All-Star games. Um, you know, with, with the pitching in, in the double-A game or the Futures game and then the triple-A. And those guys are coming. Oh, yeah. I don't think Mac's going to make the starting roster next year, but I know he'll be invited to spring. I wouldn't be surprised if they keep him in double A, uh, maybe even triple A. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? Real quick before we get into the affiliates. Well, so going into the season, we thought that Chris Paddock was going to be was going to start the season in triple A and then right. come up at some point. Right. And I think that's kind of the same trajectory that you have to lay out for, for Gore. See, he's younger. He's younger, but the stuff plays up. Yeah. And if he shows that he's healthy all year, he's never had Tommy John. So whatever he's dealing with, he was throwing plenty of innings on the side last year. Yeah. So if he shows that he can get through 130 innings or whatever this year and the performance stays up and then he shows up next year and he's mature, acts like a professional, which he already does. Oh, absolutely. But, the work ethic's you there. Know, for a 21-year-old kid to walk into a clubhouse – and act like he belongs and behave on the field like he belongs. You know, you never get scared. You never get the big saucer eyes, which I don't think you will. He got a little saucer eye during his interview with Heidi Watley. <laughs> that may be for different reasons. Uh, right. I, I love it because he was, a, you get that kind of nervous lean. I'm like, oh, he's nervous. Look at that. <laughs> and he's shy. He's naturally a shy guy. He's yeah. not like extrovert like Luis. That's why there's such a great dynamic too. Is one's kind of introvert and in the other, you know, sure. other's really extrovert. Um, but, but next year, if hopefully there's enough guys that are healthy that are coming into the season and are looking good, that you don't have to go that deep 
to need the 21-year-old kid on the roster. Right. I mean, Paddock, if, if there were enough other players that were shoving, then you could argue that Paddock starts in the minors. It's just you're looking around, and who else is going to take that starting rotation no. spot? It wasn't Logan Allen or Cal Quantrill. They, no. they, they fell short, and he just kept blowing them away. So yeah. you just you can't say no. Interesting. That's the intrigue. That's the but big there talk was, on Padres Twitter. There was Twitter no Denelson Lamet. There was no nope. Garrett Richards. There was no Jason, uh, uh, Jacob Nix, uh, Brett Kennedy, all these other guys that were hurt and were out. Yeah. So let's get on to the affiliate rundown. All right. Let's run them down. Woo! Starting with a single. So Friday, El Paso got a two-run homer from Austin Allen to beat Salt Lake City in 10 innings. Allen homered twice and singled Friday night and drove in four runs for El Paso. He had a 10-game hitting streak. Uh, since being demoted to AAA, he's homered six times in 10 games. The guy can rake. He can rake. I saw something that made me kind of sad. I was So somebody brought up win-loss records for the catchers on the Major League roster. Okay. And they pointed out that Austin Hedges has a significant win, you know, significant win record. And Mejia has more losses than he has wins. Just team losses for games that he started. And that only means so much. Austin Allen started 10 games at catcher. The Padres lost every single one of those 10 games. I kind of felt bad for, for Austin now because he did a good job behind the plate, I thought. I, yeah. But the team couldn't give him one win. Oh No. No, it's funny. I was listening to real quick. I was listening to the Cody Decker interview with Ben and Woods oh, on the way over here. I missed that. I almost peed my pants. It was so funny. Oh, he he's hilarious. Oh, so good. And so what he's doing – now that he's retired from baseball, and what, he's starting an organization in El Paso? In, in El Paso, like a spring training type complex with multiple fields, multiple levels of strength and conditioning, um, you know, player development. For youth baseball. For youth baseball. He wants to get major leaguers down there to also, you know, work in the offseason or do whatever. But he's doing this, like, weekly, I think it's a daily or weekly, uh, weekly radio.com thing for Intercom. Oh, that's right. Him yeah, and yeah. his wife. Uh-huh. And that's his, his to... wife is Jen Sturger, yeah, who became famous back with Brett a Brett Favre scandal. <laughs> so, but yeah, but she, so she has some star power, so she'll draw some listeners too. Yeah, but I think it's cool that he's going from retirement and actually doing something really cool to help the community. Yeah, in El Paso, and he said that the people in El Paso changed his experience there, changed his life in such a positive way. You got to go to El Paso. I got to go to El Paso. <laughs> Um, and he said, he told Ben, he told Ben and Woods, too, he's like, you guys got to El Paso. And, and Steve's like, yeah, I would definitely want to go. And Ben's like, oh, that's a nice ballpark. He's a, you know, I they love need, Ben. They need, so, uh, um, what's Ben's wife's name? Sheila. Shelly. Shelly. I always say Sheila. She's doing that podcast with H.J. Uh, Preller yeah. about miles and points. So they need to save up their miles and points. So they can get a round trip flight and a hotel stay, and do it. Yeah, but they're not going to go to Paso. They're probably going to go to Europe or yeah. Hawaii. Uh, but anyways, moving on. What I want to say about that was like he he played in eleven games. He never got a hit. He never got a hit. Oh, that's right. He, you know, when oh they, my god, I was. Oh, like when's the last time you took? You know, when's the last time you were in the box? He's like uh, eleven days ago. Okay, here it is. Go hit against Kevin Bob Gardner. He's got a fucking eight inning no hitter going against us. Yeah, thanks, dude. Ah, uh, because he he was in the Padres minor league organization for so long. We loved him. Me and Liddy, we like, we we founded our relationship on our love of anti anti hero. Oh, okay. Yeah, we followed him on Twitter, and then you follow him on Instagram and YouTube, mm -hmm. and then during spring training, we're like, shh, 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 shh yeah. Antihero, what's up, man? <laughs> yeah, Decker. You know, we're like right behind the plate, and uh -huh. he's just taking swings. and like, ah. Oh. Because <laughs> they did that prank on Jeff Francoeur, <laughs> where they convinced Jeff Francoeur that one of the other players was deaf. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, we what a cool. uh, So well, It's a great interview. It's only 18 minutes long. It's fantastic. It's funny uh, when you get a chance to listen to it. But let's move on. We got lots and lots and lots to run down. The double on Saturday, Matt Batten hit a grand slam and had seven RBIs, which was one short of the team record. This season, the former 32nd round pick has played every position in the infield and last week was starting to learn how to play the outfield. The former Quinnipiac, say that word? Quinnipiac. Quinnipiac, a university star, has posted a slash line of 321, 376, 490 for El Paso. Yeah, he's one of these guys, you see him walk up and he, some of these guys, you see him and you're, 
it's an impressive figure. Right. Matt Batten walks up and he looks like just another college age kid. Yeah, dude. What's yeah. up, dude? He's he's like five eight, five nine, and not really stocky build. Doesn't look like super athletic, but then you put him out on a baseball field and he can do anything. Yeah. I, I think I kind of feel the same way with Peter Van Gansen. He's one of those guys that does is a, is a grinder, is the guy that just goes out and plays. We look at him like, well, he's uh, okay, all right. So there's not, all right. Wow, look, he just hit the ball, you know, or he plays really well. Um, I love these guys. They're, they're not organizational guys, but guys that can just they have a shot. He, he, it's it, you got to squint real hard to see how the path leads to the majors. Yeah. But we kind of said the same thing about Ty France, and he wound up cracking through. Yeah. Um, Injuries but, happen. People get traded. For sure. Absolutely. And when you can play anywhere on the diamond, then somewhere an opportunity will open up. Your value is is uh, triple. And speaking of triple, the Padres have uh, Andres Munoz on schedule of pitching back-to-back days. Followed Finally. By, yes. Followed by three days off. As a result of the PCL All-Star break, everyone's like, why do they send him down to double-A? Because they're on break. So they send him down to double-A. To keep on the three days rest. Uh, as a result, he needed to be sent down to continue that stretch. This is one game was tonight. Munoz got two quick outs before giving up a triple and a single to score the game-winning run. Welcome back to Double A. His fastball still sat in the upper 90s and has done a much better job at throwing strikes. Only three balls and all inning. Munoz has not given up runs in back-to-back outings. Just getting the work done. Yeah, just getting now arms stretched out, getting him used to going on back to back days. He'll be up before September. He'll be you up. I think so. I would not. I would suspect maybe by August. Yeah, that's a pretty quick timeline having him come back to back on three days rest for sure. Buddy Reed went four for four in that game. Yeah, Buddy Reed's been on a hot stretch, and he uh, he he made the Baseball America prospect list. He finally hit a triple. Yeah, I think it's his first triple all season. Which is surprising because last year he had a whole bunch yeah, of them. He's got speed for days. He does, yeah, but he just hasn't been making the hard contact and hitting the gaps just right to have a chance for him. Yeah. So now the last couple of weeks he started finding a little more contact and not striking out as much. So maybe there's an adjustment that he's making. We hope so. We really do hope so. There's lots of talent. There's a lot to dream on with Buddy. Obviously a friend of the podcast. Um, Moving on to Amarillo, single Friday. Hey, Peter Van Gansen. We Peter were just Van talking Gansen. about him. Peter Van Gansen makes ESPN. So did you see this? No. Okay, so he made ESPN's top uh, 10. He was number eight. Okay, so runners were on first and first. Yeah, second and well, first and second. And he, balls hit up the middle. He's playing way over by third base. And you see this ball hit up the middle, and you see out of the, out of the camera angle, boom, comes Peter Van Gansen. And the guy was stealing second, or was stealing third. Threw the runner out at home. Threw the runner out at home. It was just insane. I mean, deep into center field. Comes up, dives, catches the ball, gets up and throws home. Instead of going to second or going to first, goes home. Bam, bam. Done. Wow. And it made top 10. And then the broadcaster was like, what's a sod poodle? Oh, we don't know what a sod poodle is. Tweet us it. What's a sod poodle? (laughs) Should have sent him that song. We should have, and Sam Levitt, I think, or even Amarillo, subtweeted that and goes, Sod Poodle is a prairie dog. <laughs> but that was really cool. If you guys get a chance, find it. Uh, the Amarillo Sod Poodles tweeted out that. It's a really good play. So we look really sharp. But moving on to the the double for the 4th of July, another left-handed, another pitcher. Sorry, left, he's right-handed pitcher. Lake Bacher turned in his best outing of the year, throwing seven and two-thirds innings, struck out a season-high nine, and allowed just four hits. Bacher is Equal the season high with four walks Thursday. Bacher is averaging five walks per nine innings with Amarillo in 2019. Overall in Double A, Bacher is 3.63 ERA in 48 innings. Last night he went seven and a third, giving up a run and nine strikeouts. Another one of those pitchers, like he's a starter here, but we can find him a spot in the bullpen real quick for sure, or even maybe a spot start, you know, coming up in 2019, 2020. There's so much depth in, in pitching. And yeah. a, a team needs so many pitchers to get through a season. Yeah. So if he keeps performing, like I mean, Emmanuel Ramirez is another guy that, that you, we mentioned, Osvaldo Hernandez. Yeah. I mean, you don't need to be a top prospect to turn out to be a pretty good pitcher. I mean, Colin Ray kind of came out of nowhere a couple of years ago. Yeah. And he made the jump up from double A and put in, like, I think six good starts for the Padres right at the end of the season. And then made the triple A All-Star game last night. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He <laughs> Who is he with now? I don't, I don't even remember. I don't know. <laughs> it's, such, it's such a sour taste in my mouth every time I see Luis Castillo pitch. Oh, my gosh. 
Uh, moving on for the Triple Friday, Michel Baez pitched two scoreless innings out of the pen, walking two and striking out two. He continues to throw every four days for Amarillo. His stuff has been explosive for Amarillo, but it's still unclear if, he's, if you know the move to the bullpen is permanent. It's been consistently two innings with him. Yeah. It's not a certain number of of batters. It's not a certain number of pitches. It's just two innings. Go in and get your work and go hit the showers. Yeah, with a big guy like that. And I, I'm like I say, I would be fine with him going into a bullpen. Mm-hmm. But I guarantee you with the four days rest, they're just keeping him on that starter mentality, that starter is kind of schedule, just trying to get the innings underneath him. Ooh, maybe he's <clears> going to be an opener. We could be an opener. Very yeah. nice. Because the openers tend to work on like three or four days. Nice. The thought just occurred to me. Bing, 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 bing. Yeah, random <laughs> thoughts. All right, so for our home run uh, on Sunday in the bottom of the seventh inning, down by a run, Hudson Potts launched, launched a two-run home run to put Amarillo ahead. Potts has struggled in double-A. What has hurt him the most has been his strikeout rate, 33.5% this year as compared to 24.7% last year, according to Fangraphs. Owen Miller was a home run short of the cycle. How many times have we said that? God. Um, he's in the top 10 in the Texas League in on-base percentage and is at number 11 in OPS. He has 95 hits in 79 games and has looked good defensively at both second base and shortstop. The guy just hits. He just, just keeps on hitting. God, we're big Owen Miller fans here. Well, I feel like he's been consistent all year, yeah. too. He's not one of these guys that, like, a couple hot weeks and then a, a week that's cold. It's just every week he's consistently performing. He did struggle at the beginning of the season where you're like, uh, really? And then he just tore it up. Then he just turned it on, and it's been nonstop since. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on to Lake Elsinore, Friday Gable, because this is something interesting. So a couple times that I've been up there uh, early to do interviews, Arias has been taking shots at third base, has been taking grounders at third base. Not exclusively, but I saw him take some short. And then one time went up there and he was exclusively at third base. So this last Friday, Gabriel Arias played third base and had another productive night at the plate. So Arias doubled, singled, and scored a run, a pair of runs. The 19-year-old infielder is 8 for 19 in July with just two strikeouts and 21 plate appearances. That's huge. He's got a lot of miss. He has a long swing, a lot of swing and miss in that swing. Uh, but he'll get in these hot streaks and, and knock it out of the park. It's the bat. Like most with most of our players that are struggling, their defense isn't a question. Uh, Michael Geddes, you know, Buddy Reed, Hudson Potts, all the defense is there. It's the bat. And God, if we can get him to hit two, you know, if we get him to hit 260, 270, his glove is almost, well, as some say, and I've heard it said by more than one evaluator, he's better than Tatis. Mm-hmm. That's short. I've, yeah, I've and that's that. impossible. And that's almost <laughs> sacrilege to talk about. Well, you, you, we've seen Tatis miss some re- routine plays. Yeah. You've seen some balls just clank off his glove, or he'll miss the exchange. Um, and so those might show up as an error. They might show up as an infield hit on the box score, but it's not that big a deal. But then you watch Arias, and he doesn't miss those plays. No. He's just a vacuum cleaner over there, and his throws are always right on the money. So moving over to third, so scenario that occurred to me so Manny Machado has a 10-year contract but after five years he has an opt-out yeah so what if five years from now Manny Machado decides to say peace out and we say thank you very much for your time served and now there's an opening at third base and we have a ring under our belt yeah ring uh, well not under our belt. <laughs> on our finger we, and we have a ring mm-hmm. I hope that's the case you know it, it's almost and we'll just talk about this for a minute I I, we, he's been so good. But five years from now, he's going to be 31. He'll still be in his prime, but those declining years start happening. True. And he, he's playing at a premium position uh, that takes a lot out of you. Uh, doesn't matter how good you are, it starts to go at 31. It does. And at $30 million a year, that's it could be... It could be an albatross. Yeah, but he would only leave if he had the potential to make even more right. with a new contract. Right. Which you, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I like the five-year opt-out. That's all I know. The market is low. It was at a, at a very low point this offseason for free agents. And a couple of guys got paid, but a lot of people didn't. So if the market t- comes back up a little bit by then and he's still doing well, maybe he might be able to get a $200 million contract somewhere else when there's 150 left on his Padres contract. Padre contract. So then you... Take off. I mean, that's kind of what what uh, Clayton Kershaw was looking at coming into this offseason. Was he had years left? He opted out. Well, they wound up extending him. They yeah. 
modified his contract. Yeah. I, I don't know what the right phrase for that is. So anyway, there's a bunch of what ifs. Tons of what ifs, but seeing him at third base is what pretty if, sweet. Anyway. What if Machado gets hurt? I mean, yeah. he had knee surgery. He missed half a season. So yeah. what if something happens and he's on the shelf for a couple months? You need somebody to come in and play third base. Mm-hmm. Oh, here's Gabriel Arias, supreme defender. That he's defender the, supreme. Yeah, he's not the he's not the minister of defense. They'll have to come up with something else for he's him. He's the defender supreme. Yeah. <laughs> What's the lieutenant of the minister? Mm-hmm. Uh, so a bright spot for the storm this season has been Alan Cordoba. The former Rule 5 selection in 2017, who, God, he, that near-fatal accident, uh, which caused severe post-concussion effects, has been having a pretty solid year. In 242 plate appearances, he's hitting 303, 351, 407, with 17 stolen bases and 23 attempts. This season, he has seen time at shortstop, third base, left, and center field. I've seen him primarily at third. In June, he hit 345, 395 with a 451, and it's still he's only 23 years old. You know, that lost year, that gap year with the injury uh, has really held him back. But he's a solid player. Yeah, it, it's so nice. Because last year, and he, he was struggling everywhere. Yeah. And I can only imagine what kind of effects he was dealing with. And so you're looking at him wondering, is he ever going to be the same? Yeah. So now he finally looks comfortable. The fact that he's out there stealing bases and playing good defense all over the place. Playing hot corner. Yeah. He plays really good hot corner. I've seen him a couple times there playing... Uh, Play third base. Well, I mean, he looked pretty good with the Padres when he was a Rule Five guy, you know, at whatever twenty years old, and it was clear that like the footwork wasn't quite right at right. second base, and right. you know when he was at shortstop turning a double play. I saw a couple where it's like, man, he could get hurt out there, right? But it's because he just didn't have the reps to learn the proper mechanics and all that. But you put him out in the center field, and he was looking good. Yeah, he hadn't played above rookie ball, yeah. Correct. Yeah. I don't know how you linger in an organization that long and don't move above rookie ball with that kind of talent. Although Ivan Castillo. Yeah. Beast. Yeah. Uh, the triple four uh, for Lake Elsinore. Gabe Moser made his high A debut. All right. Congratulations, Gabe Nice Moser. job, Gabe. He didn't factor in the decision, but he did pretty good. He threw up four scoreless innings before allowing a two-run shot in the fifth. He worked a clean six, but allowed the first three batters to reach in the seventh inning before being pulled. Yeah, so he got called up that day that Angela and I went up there, and I was hoping to run into him. I didn't happen to see him, and we didn't go down by the dugout to look and you know peek around the corner, see who's in there. You should have texted him, "Hey, when's your flight come in? We'll give you, a, we'll give you a ride." Yeah, I was, I didn't even think about that. We were running around all day. But I'm I, goofy like that. I'll do it like, "Hey, when's your flight come in? I'll just wait. I'll give you a ride up." They're like, "No, I got a limo, bro." Well, I no, he's <laughs> he's not a big time roller like that. No. But McK- could, McKenzie might be able to do that, but right. not Gabe Moser. <laughs> and that's not Gabe style. No, it's not Gabe style at all. He's a humble kid. All right. So, well, we talked about Osvaldo Hernandez. So his last start was Saturday. He didn't give up any any runs. He had three strikeouts in a short three inning stint. You know, and that's that's good. And, you know, with him, with Baez, with Morhone, just getting getting used to throwing, getting some innings under his belt. Mm-hmm. There's tons of, pro- you know, there's tons. There's no need to rush any of these guys. And as much as we want to see Morahone and Baez up in the big leagues club, truly there isn't no glaring need other than our bullpen that we need to have him come up. So just get it, you know, let let it be a learning, you know, just getting used to it. Well, he's still, he still works fast. I noticed that. Does he? Yeah. When he was on the mound, the game was moving quick. Let's just get the ball, get the sign, throw it. And I think he does that to keep the uh, keep the batters off balance a little bit. I wish we saw more of that because it's like watching paint dry, watching some of these guys pitch. Yeah. All right, so heading down to Fort Wayne. Last Thursday, catcher Blake Hunt had his sixth consecutive multi-hit game with a pair of singles Thursday. Overall, Hunt has hit in 10 straight games and is carrying a 415, 455, 634 slash line during the stretch. Hunt's weighted runs created plus of 109 is second on the team, trailing only Xavier Ned- Edwards, who is currently carrying a WRC plus of, oh, we're missing a digit here, 130-something. 130-something. <laughs> That's what happens when you cut and paste. I'm sorry, guys, I got nothing today. But friend of I'm the podcast, dead. Blake Hunt, is on a tear all of a sudden, and he's looking great behind the plate. Yep. He's healthy. So we're looking forward to seeing him next week. His parents are going to be out there that weekend, too. You guys got to take some pictures and talk to his dad. And oh, then yeah. It, his dad's so good. And the moms, too. But, like, the dad really talks to us a lot. Well, we're going to see if we can take them out to Cindy's 
and uh, <laughs> watch watch Blake put on a show throwing down like five <gasps> servings of pancakes or whatever. Do you guys want to split the check? He's like had four <laughs> entrees already. <laughs> We're going to have to take John Conniff's advice, though, and hit that place up. Yeah, absolutely. So the double for uh, for Fort Wayne. Friday, Omar Cruz pitched well, flashing an excellent off-speed arsenal to keep Lake County off-balance. The 20-year-old from Hermosillo, Mexico, struck out eight hitters in five innings, allowing a pair of earned runs. Cruz made two starts in Tri-Cities before moving up. Between the two stops, he has 27 strikeouts and 15 and two-thirds innings. I watched that game. I watched a lot of minor league ball when I was on my trip in Connecticut. I just they all just started running into each other because the time difference, and I just watched baseball. Um, he looked really good. He looked really good. Yeah, he crushed it last year. Yeah. So at the end of last year, I remember noting his name as somebody to watch this year. We talked to him. We've talked to him about him from the beginning of last year. Something to keep an eye on. Absolutely. Moving on. Triple. God, I've got nothing. I I worked really early this morning. Fed five hundred people for breakfast. Five hundred people for lunch. Good thing we got all the sugar in front of you right now. Oh, my God. It's just making my head spin. Anyways, the triple Joey Cantillo struggled a bit on Monday and ultimately took the loss, but he ran it and he ran into trouble in the first, allowing a leadoff double, followed by three consecutive walks. He limited damage by two runs by retiring the next three consecutive hitters. Went on an RBI ground out. The Hawaiian-born Southpaw allowed more than two earned runs for the first time since April 26th. Oh, oh, oh. Joey Cantillo is human. Mm-hmm. His ER rose above two and currently sits at 2.07 through 15 starts. Now, I believe if he was older, he'd be in Lake Elsinore. Yeah. But I think because he's so young. That's why Gabe got the call up because he was a college draftee. He's, what, 23, 24? Yeah, yeah. So the the fact about the um, he's only allowed more than two earned runs. This is the first time since April 26th. Uh, Mackenzie Gore only allowed two runs in a game once so far this year. Everything else has been ones and zeros. Yeah. Um, there's a really good article on the uh, Sack Bunt Dustin's newsletter. Newsletter, yes. From Lance Brozdowski, a friend of their podcast, Lance Brozdowski, on him using, uh, God, I can't remember what it's called. I read it before I got here, but it, uh, it helps him engage his uh, hips and glutes and, and just his whole lower half. And that was really interesting. Very interesting. Uh, so it's a, it's a weight with an elastic band that goes back to a harness, and he clips the harness onto his hips. And the weight is like 10 feet out in front of him off yeah. to the side. Yeah. I also find it interesting that they are putting markers out in front of him for his plant foot because he tends to drift where his step tends to move toward third base. Yeah. Wait. First he's base. He's lefty toward first base. So then he winds up throwing across his body, kind of a Jeff Weaver style. Yeah. Um, and that's a tendency that they try to fight. So they put a little cone out there so he knows just a little mental aid. But that, and so he's going through mechanical changes right now. Yeah. And he even showed, so uh, Brozdowski had a, a GIF that was slowed, his slowed down um, yeah, got delivery. Right. I looked at this 15 oh, times. right there, yeah. And I can't tell the difference. Well, if you look at... Other than he's a little more forward here. The, the tilt that his upper body has is quite a bit different in the frame on the left, which is 2018. Uh, right when he releases the ball, he's... Oh, See, yeah. he's more upright, and then this yeah. year he's leaning toward the toward home plate a little bit more. Um, you know, I don't know biomechanically what that necessarily means, um, but the the equipment is intended to help him drive from his lower body. Uh, and I've seen a couple of things about Nolan Ryan lately, and because he would be able to go out there and throw hundreds of innings in a year, um, throw hundreds of pitches in a game, two hundred forty two pitches in one game at one point. Yeah. And after a game, he would go, he wouldn't talk to reporters or anybody. He would go hop on a bike and ride for 45 minutes on a, on an exercise bike. But immediately after the game, before he would do anything. Which is back in the day, it was like a belt on one of those. Yeah. And yeah. Would, <laughs> you know, the yeah. animals move back and forth. And you're, oh, like but a, it was about his legs that he needed yeah. to keep his legs. And it was all about strength in his legs and driving with his lower body. And Trevor Hoffman would run and run and run before games. He talks about the conditioning of his lower body, how that supports everything else. Um, and so that's, I, I think that's what Joey's learning. So he's already added a couple of miles an hour from last year. Yeah. And so if he can get his lower body to work for him a little bit more, maybe there's a little bit more to untap. So last season he was uh, 85 to 90. This season between 88 to 92. And his eyes on 94. And he's going to like screenshot the, the, uh, 
the radar gun and tweet it to Lance once, or at least send it to Lance once he hits 94. So the core velocity belt now allows him to progress his offseason further. Uh, the ability, act, its ability to activate Contrillo's glute creates a chain reaction towards more efficient mechanics. Last year, I would drift forward, Contrillo says what you were talking about. When you, when you get into the quad, your heel comes up and then your glute is off and you're losing power. When you stay in the heel, you're driving and creating that hinge and your glute is activated. The hinge he refers to is how the hip should dynamically move. It draws a parallel to proper squatting form where an athlete butt, butt sticks out and they sit back into the motion, helping to keep tension in their glutes as opposed to their quads. We're quad dominant, we're quad dominant as humans, which I thought was very, like, very funny. <laughs> it's something funny to say. Um, and he says, glute activation can be achieved by proper hinging of the hips, which the core velocity belt helps to introduce, induce. In a perfect world, his lower half will function the same with the belt as it does with it off. Well, that's the idea. You yeah. use the training aid until, in, until you've instilled that mechanic into your into what you do. I just love that this kid works so damn hard. He does. You know, and... And he's obviously a very smart guy that he can... He, somebody said all this stuff to him. It's one thing to absorb it and go, yeah, 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 and then work out and incorporate it. It's another thing to be able to repeat it back and explain it to somebody. So there's a guy. Um, wh- who is this guy? He is the... Uh, la, 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 la. Lance Wheeler, a, Na- a Nashville-based pitching mechanics guru and founder and CEO of BaseballThinkTank.com created the belt to teach pitchers how to feel and engage their lower half. White Sox pitcher Luis Giolito, uh, Corey Kluber, uh, all use it. Do you know where Lucas Giolito worked out a lot on his way up? Was a driveline with Kyle Bodie. Nice! Yeah. A lot of these, a lot of these kinds of, of training regimens have come from that new way of thinking about biomechanics and training and optimization. and Because... 20 years ago, people didn't talk about that. They'd say, oh, you need to get over on your front foot a little bit more, or you're falling on this side or that side. And now it's a whole different... I mean, they slow it down. They they put these things on your body, and then they the camera can pick up, and they can like simulate what your skeleton's doing. Yeah. And it's amazing. Which you used to see when they were like, oh, we're in, they're going to do video games. And they had these little balls on there for point of reference for the camera. Yeah. Um, during the, the Driveline podcast... He talks about, like, back when I was playing, you know, my off-season workout was, okay, three squats of this or three sets of squats, three sets of dumbbells, dumbbells or whatever. Now you get, you know, I've seen it at UCSD. They're, they have a whole plan of not just lifting a weight. It's stretching. It's, it's, it's work. Agility. Yeah, agility. It, it's the plyo balls that they do at driveline, all mm-hmm. these kind of crazy, all this biomechanical kind of stuff instead of just lifting weights and being stretchy, you know. Uh, it has gotten to be way of... A huge science, and that is going to be the next frontier of, I think, all pro sports, is not only nutrition, but getting your body, and not everybody's the same. Not every motion is the same for what works for you, may not work for me. Mm-hmm. And it's finding what your body does, and then engaging in that, and optimizing that. All right, so let's get back on track. So, uh, Trey Cities. Um, our single Friday, Matthew Acosta had four hits and scored three runs for Tri-City. The former USC outfielder has been a spark plug for the Dust Devils at the top of the order. Acosta ranks third in the Northwest League in odd base percentage and fifth in batting average. Now, he was just drafted this year. Yeah. So you see a guy like this hit the ground running. That's that's great to see. It is absolutely great to see. Uh, the double Monday, Mason House had his first multi-hit game in 2019, including his first homer of the year. House has struggled to make contact in the early onset of the Northwest League. Uh, coming into Monday's game, he was one for twenty-two with fourteen strikeouts with the Dust Devils. He's still super young. Yeah, so he was one of these guys who was drafted out of high school, and the knock on him at the time was that he hadn't faced advanced competition. Right. He didn't go to these. He didn't play in a, a division that had a lot of you know high-level competitions. He didn't play in the showcases or anything like that. But the scouts saw something that they liked in him, so they drafted him, and he's struggled quite a bit. I think this is his third year in the Padres organization now. His draft year, last year was his first full year. And then this year, he's finally starting to show some signs of, of coming out of it. A little bit. You know, and we keep thinking, and we keep saying this almost every podcast, like not everyone's going to be a Luis Urias. Not everyone's going to be 
you know, at 19, no one's going to be in double A. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hudson Potts is the outlier. Oh, yeah. Uh, Fernando Tatis is the absolute crazy outlier. And I got a cramp in my left thigh that's <laughs> making me cringe. Um, you know, so it's going to take some of these guys. You, you need to be more glute glute heavy I rather need, than right, quad, I need to get the, quad dominant. I need to get the belt. Uh, I did seven miles at work today. I, I work in a restaurant, folks, in a dining hall in a university, and I did 7.6 miles. It's a lot of walking. It's a lot of walking. I hope you're staying hydrated. And I, I do. I drank like four quarts of water. Yeah, do, have you eaten any bananas today? I've had a banana before I left here, and I ate a banana at work. This is one of my favorite players. Now his name is escaping me, a Japanese guy, a utility player. Um, and he had an interview, and he was cramping. <laughs> Um, and then he, so the guy was asking you, what, what have you done to fight the cramps? He says, I eat banana. I, uh, so why, why do you eat bananas? Monkeys never cramp. Monkeys never cramp. So how many bananas does a monkey eat in a day? Two. How many bananas are you eating? Three. Because monkey never cramp. <laughs> oh yeah. It's been a tough day for me. I really, I really appreciate you guys holding on. Oh man, do you need a banana right now? Oh, God, no. Goodness gracious. Okay, uh, so for our triple, Reynaldo Ilarraza yeah. homered, singled, and walked out of the nine hole Friday night. The homer was his first extra base hit of the season. The infielder has walked a league high 25 times in 72 plate appearances and is carrying an odd looking 213, <laughs> 486, 277 Four, triple slash. 86, dude? Yeah, it's crazy that he's drawn so many walks. Um, Sean Gilby tied a career high with three hits, his second consecutive multi-hit game. The 19-year-old has five hits in his last two games, and he's tied for the team lead in homers with two. Gilby's versatility and raw power make him a guy to watch this summer. So Reynaldo Ilaraza, he's an, a fantastic defender. I had a chance last year and this year to watch him on the back lots during okay. spring training, and he's one of these guys that just everything looks fluid. It just it looks easy. He gets to everything. It just scoops it up in a smooth transition and throw. Um, the guy just looks like an athlete, but yeah. the bat is is you know, waiting for the bat to come around. He's a little guy, and he's he's not short, but he's of slight build. Okay. Um, and he's young. I think he's still just 19. I, I don't have that in front of me, but he's a young guy. So he's got some filling out to do and obviously a lot of maturity to do. But the uh, the fact that he can draw those kinds of walks and lay off stuff, even though, granted, he's playing in Tri-Cities. So right. the pitching quality is not going to be the greatest. Right. But there's also a really drive to like hit the ball no matter what. If it's close, swing yeah, at it. Yeah. Yeah. But he uh, maybe he's too timid. 2016 one of the two j2 yes he was one of the j2 2016 signees uh-huh so that takes us to the end of our list here it does i didn't tell i didn't put any azl stuff in because just uh, i struggle with putting the azl stuff in because there's just we do have so many affiliates uh cj abrams is still hitting like 400 something. so i had a conversation with somebody about cj abrams and he's he's got like 86 plate appearances and he's drawn a, a handful of walks and just a couple of strikeouts. So the low strikeout rate is great. You'd like to see a couple more walks. Yeah. And that's one thing that you can look at AZL stats for is the walk to strikeout plate discipline kind of stuff. But he's also committed, I think it was six or seven errors already at shortstop. Really? Um, now, I don't know what the nature of those errors are. If some of it's bad luck, if it's getting bad bounces because it's not a professional level field, or if he's got a wild arm or what it is. They're going to give him lots of time to work at shortstop. He's probably going to stay at shortstop for a year or two before they even talk about moving, moving him, him anywhere. Right. Because um, he wants to be a shortstop. Okay, well, show us. We'll put in the work, You know, do all the footwork drills and work on mechanics. Yeah, and they will give him every opportunity to succeed. One of the knocks on him was that he doesn't, he's not good at throwing from different angles and different body positions. So, in you know, if he's just taking grounders where you can pop up and take a crow hop into every throw... He looks great. But if he's got to dive, spin around, throw from his butt, that kind of stuff like you see Tatis doing yeah. and makes it look easy. To your left, to your right. Yeah, throwing over the top, sidearm, you know, falling down, keeping the ball online. Apparently, he struggles with that stuff. Mm. So you give him some time on that. And if not, maybe third base works, maybe second base, maybe you move him to the outfield. But, you know, an 18-year-old kid, yeah, I shudder to think what stuff I was doing when I was 18. So he's got plenty of time to work through that stuff. No. So yeah, we can you can look at walk rate, strikeout rate, some fielding kind of stuff. But if you start getting too deep into 
on base percentage, batting average, slugging, home runs. That it just it that stuff doesn't matter at ACL. Really, it's what the scouts see, what the player development folks see. Right. They're learning. I mean, heck, this is probably his first time being away from home. Yeah, you know, living away from home for any extended period of time. So Absolutely. there's all that adjustment. Yeah, there's, there's lots lots to love there, and it's still super. I mean, he just got drafted this year. Let him get through this year. Let him get into the next season. Mm-hmm. It's still fun to see guys make their debut. First professional home run. First professional win as a pitcher. Yeah. That kind of stuff. It's it's neat. These guys are starting to live out their dreams. Absolutely. And God, I'm living out. You're living out our dreams right now, guys, because we're out of here. I just had nothing today. I'm so brain dead. I really appreciate you guys staying here. We both appreciate you guys listening. Um you're going to be out of town next week. I so will be. Yeah, we, we fly out Tuesday night and we come back Sunday. We might do something on the road, but we may not. Uh, if not, uh, maybe you'll have to fly solo. Might have to fly solo. Maybe you can, oh, you guys maybe you can dial that. up an interview. I could. Uh, yeah. You know, I might reach out to reach out to William Bohr. Yeah. He's uh, He writes for MLB Pipeline and he covers the rookie league in Phoenix. That'd be a good person to talk to. So maybe I'll reach out to him and we can do a big fat interview and then I'll just put in some filler and it'll be an episode. Well, we'll see because I'm going to have a couple of long drives, well, at least one long drive going from uh, from Fort Wayne out to Chicago. So we'll have a few hours in the car. Maybe maybe we'll be able to fire up, you know, put on a headset and <laughs> do that. We could do that. Maybe we'll see. We had the technology. <laughs> we have to take. We can rebuild him. Honey, look at all the cows. Look. <laughs> Anyways, you can reach me on Twitter at SD Donovan. I am at Zippy underscore TMS. Till then, go Padres. Go Padres. <laughs>